Hey guys, welcome back to Front Wing Damage FWD. This episode will be brought to you by Aditya Swaminathan and Siddharth Atharam. Hey guys, Aditya from Front Wing Damage here. I just wanted to let you know that this is a very special episode for us because it's our first ever video podcast. If you're interested to see that, it's up on YouTube on our YouTube channel. We have a very special guest for this episode and without further ado let's begin. Well 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 this is the first time you know uh, the very first we're going to have a visual podcast and um, it's all thanks to uh, Saumil Arora um for felicitating <laughs> this opportunity for us to do a visual <laughs> podcast um so saumil hello uh, by the way saumil is uh, our guest for this podcast and hopefully a recurring one <laughs> um he you know he is into the f1 scene in india as well he does the podcasting scene as well and um, from what me and aditya have heard pretty knowledgeable probably more than us <laughs> and oh. uh, you know hopefully <laughs> you know this is going to be a really quality podcast um hopefully this podcast is not just going to revolve around the most recent race weekend that's the monaco gp uh we'll also hopefully you know talk about certain things revolving motorsport in general in india or as me you know as saul and azar there in the let's say not the journalism scene but as but as the entertainment scene in general i mean how do we push the limits since uh, you know formula 1 hasn't right hit the sweet spot in india so there be there going to be you know many more questions that we're going to be asking and uh, stay tuned in so for the viewers on the visual and audio as well yeah. um it's going to be the same obviously uh, we don't know how this works this is the first time <laughs> so but yeah the main headline for the monaco gp um, is this is ferrari's recurring bottling of their strategy or their car in general is it going to be detrimental to them winning or losing the championship considering the fact that sergio perez is 15 points within 15 points of the championship lead now how detrimental will ferrari's you know constant bottling of the championship be is it going to be the same as 2017 and 2018 or is there going to be a turn in the tide and this is uh, you know this is the first question that we're going to be posing to somil what's your take on it Firstly, Siddharth, you, 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 Siddharth, you're being so kind in the intro. I, I'm, I'm definitely not that knowledgeable as you think of me to be. But <laughs> coming to Ferrari, I think it's just common knowledge, right? It's ridiculous how things have panned out for them over the last couple of years. And I know this following quote is not going to be an original, but it's it's been kind of published everywhere. It kind of resonates the sentiment very clearly. It's like a midfield team has been given a top car, and they are absolutely <laughs> clueless of what to do with it. And and it's so perfect because when you consider the uh, okay, only one reliability issue, which is still all right, but just the way they have been dealing with their drivers, that's been a bit absurd. I mean, case in point, Carlos Sainz, right? What sort of precedent are they establishing? In one case, the team is very strict on calling Leclerc in and backing him with that call. But on the other hand, the second driver is able to make his call on his own. So, what works at the end? Does Sainz even trust Ferrari the next time out? That decision-making hierarchy kind of gets affected very, very badly just through one incident, right? And there's so many other things that can go wrong for Ferrari. So. inevitably it's already cost them so much and i just can wonder can't wonder actually what the next big incident for them will be because with ferrari you always get a feeling that it's going to come i mean you never are too far away from a bit of a blunder obviously and not just that you know just 
before you say anything about it here not just that me being a ferrari fan in 2017 and 2018 as well it just fan. seems like what ferrari yeah a self fan shush no but what it seems in 2022 right now is that they're just trying to do everything that they didn't do in 2017 2018 yeah it's that's the kind of vibe i'm getting right now it's just like they're trying everything that they didn't do they're trying to do everything the opposite their liability wise strategy wise and everything because if you take for example 17 and 18 there's a clear demarcation between fatal and kimi saying that fatal was the number 1 and kimi was number 2 here at this stage i mean psychologically i think we both know or, or the three of us know who uh, the number 1 is but in general uh, it just seems like you know they're trying something different and I, I would say for the beginning part of the season so far, it seemed like it was clicking. The car had the rear end stability of the throttle, or, you know, first or second gear. Uh, it also seemed like through the slow and medium speed corners, they were just flying like rocket jets. Um, on the straight line, yes, they weren't at par with the Red Bull power trains, but I mean, they're moving. That's more than enough. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, you know, getting to the you know a little more serious, it seems like they have a good car, but. the execution in general doesn't seem like they are a championship winning team it just seems like like samuel said perfectly a midfield team has been given a tool that they that they you know that has the opportunity to win the championship but they don't know how to do it they you know they they're doing things that are just recurring in you know if you talk about it's just a reminiscent of 2017 and 2018 which isn't good for a ferrari because if you also take the um, the flip side Red Bull, who is their um, main championship contender, has just won the championship and came very close to the constructor championship as well. So they know what they're doing. Ferrari doesn't. So who knows? You know what's going to pan out. But in general, um, you know, it seems like you know, Ferrari, as I said, Ferrari are trying something that they didn't do in 2017 and 2018. They're trying to do something different, uh, which has clicked so far. But it seemed to have a bit bit of desync. um you know the past two three races and i mean what about you adik what's your take yeah so i felt like obviously um it to an extent carlos sainz and charles leclerc did get unlucky with the strategy i mean with the blue flags and whatever and actually i'd like to point that out um the blue flag situation with alex albon was absolutely pathetic it sends it sets the wrong precedent you know 16 blue a driver can't go past 16 blue flags uh and then like getting away with it because it doesn't make any sense i mean common racing courtesy is to see the first blue flag and get out of the way right i mean that's what we're all taught in karting but uh the maximum is 3 because 3 just because if you can't give way in a particular part of the track you get three corners to make the you get three blue flags to actually go out a line and give way and okay monaco is is narrow and tight so why not g- give it in the in a different part of the track like the tunnel a lot of people are saying no but then it, the, the the track was wet he's going to lose the car when he goes over to the wet line but like the tunnel is going to be perfectly dry at at a stretch so why not give way there albon completely ignored blue flags there which was Uh, which is absolutely which just sets the wrong precedent you know because like uh i mean this i saw this on twitter actually i i really didn't know about it when the race was happening i saw it on twitter later no i saw it i was absolutely fuming because you know every time you as a race car driver as you every time you enter a enter a stewards room it's like a court case really you look at previous examples and you <laughs> it's it's basically a court case and you need your own lawyer and then the stewards are the judges and whatever so 
it's so you look at previous examples and and examples in other races to defend your own statement and if a driver you know does if a backmarker can defend his statement with using formula 1 as the example with alex albon it just is it's just wrong for the sport because formula 1 is the top level of motorsport and yeah coming back to topic yeah it, it for me it was really reminiscent ferrari's strategy was really reminiscent of the old the, the old 1718 bottling bottle job days you know <laughs> like just just you know throwing away a victory and uh and i i feel like in monaco it should be illegal for you not to win a race from pole and ferrari have successfully <laughs> done that you know you know leclerc's curse is not yet over leclerc's curse is not yet he's he, he's happy he's finished but he knows that <laughs> he could have easily won that race yeah and you know one more question to you samuel actually a, a bit of a personal question you know to set um, to set the form of the podcast in general who is your favorite driver and what team do you support this year oh that's a tough one actually uh, no nah, i am going it, to go it shouldn't be a tough one <laughs> I am going to go about the diplomatic route because when I started watching, I just started watching for the sake of the racing in the first place. So there never really was any connection to a driver, just for the sake of entertainment, right? Just because you want to tune into your racing and you want to enjoy quite a lot. I love Fernando Alonso because you you never get a dull moment with him, right? Even though it may be for the bad many of the times, but you're never bored. And then that's the whole point of watching Formula One. Think of it. Why do we? Yeah, so watch we're going to have an issue then. We're definitely going to have an issue. <laughs> 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 we're going to have an issue <laughs> well it's just part of el plan man even, yeah. even if we have an issue with fernando yeah. issues are always normal so if you're a I fernando mean, fan i suppose you you're used to it in a way <laughs> yeah i mean like yeah he was he was a very good train you know uh, i think i think he was <laughs> just about as slow as an indian train like just like <laughs> an indian oh, yeah. train was slightly faster <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but I loved his statement after the race. He said, "Lewis staying behind. Well, that's not my problem." The easiest thing. Bravo, Fernando. Bravo. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like why? And you know, and no, no, no. And not just that. You know, um, it it just speaks a lot about Fernando. His cockiness, his absolute yeah. monumental ego, his passion for racing. Saying that you know, it was easy to keep him back up. Lewis in a Mercedes, a seven-time world champion. Easy. What do I have to do? Stay on fifth gear. Easy, man. no issue at all <laughs> and it is so you know it is actually it it annoyed me to a, to a certain extent that you know what, what is he doing i mean he's he's not yeah. going full beans but it also seems strategically sane that what we what he yeah, was doing it's, it's and, monaco um, man it did annoy us a lot <laughs> it did yeah it's monaco baby it's just <laughs> just you just park your park your car at the apex and just drive exactly It's like But, the whole uh, purpose and the whole point of Alpine and Alonso coming back into F1 is just to annoy Lewis Hamilton because that's what they exactly every step like... of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, they're just there to be the anti-Hamilton, the anti-Mercedes. You know. I mean, some would argue that's the There's... FIA. Some would argue Ooh. that's the FIA, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't argue that. I'd say some. I'd say some. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, in general. that was the other topic that i want to talk about um it may seem it, it may not be you know connected to the monaco gp in general but how has fernando alonso according to you performed so far in 2022 do you think he is a person who is good enough to keep that alpine seat instead of you know an upcoming driver like oscar piastri 
I mean, let's take for example, Fernando Alonso. I mean, just I just set the you know the platform for him. Twenty twenty one, he came back, beat uh, you know he's beaten uh, Ocon, um, and not just that, he you know it just seemed like reminiscent of the, you know the past Alonso in general. Um, but I also feel that the reason he's come back to racing is. It's, I mean, obviously, people say it's passion and everything. But there is a lot of, I, I guess, a lot of ego that is involved, and there's a lot of um, unfinished business for him. That's, a, I think, that's the main reason. But what about you? Being a Fernando fan, I'm sure you must know the reason. Uh, because I don't see the point of a 40, 41 year old man racing for no point. I mean, I don't see the point. But anyways, uh, I'll, I'll go a bit short because I want to know Aditya's take on it as well. But I suppose, in a sentence, it just has to be because he can. He's just here because he can. I mean, he, he's good enough. What else do you do, right? If you're 41, you've kind of experienced everything else. You don't want to live in America. You don't want to do IndyCar full-time. You're just racing Formula 1. And to be honest, yes, there have been a couple of bad performances per se with Fernando. But in general, right, the way he's performing over the last year and a half, he's still good enough for it. And Esteban has been taking him to another level. But this, I mean... I don't think any young driver can match it instantly. So, so long as he's good enough, why, why bother? It's just entertainment for all of us. And Formula One wouldn't mind that as well. Because here we are sitting on, what, a, a Tuesday evening discussing Fernando Alonso, even though he's 41 and not in the points occasionally. I mean, the guy has bad himself. So. <laughs> okay, God damn it. You, you got me. <laughs> yeah. But what I mean, about you, Aditya? I mean, like, yeah. I mean, he's done everything. Uh, he's, he's won Le Mans, almost won Indy. Uh and then yeah. now he's an F1. He's not done everything. Had... He's not beaten Sebastian Vettel. He's not done that. Ooh, Ooh that, that's a that's a Seb fanboy thing to say. But yeah, we'll move, we'll move past that. But like, yeah, I mean, um, I wish I had the option, you know, either Indy or F1. That'd be that'd be a cool thing to say. Like, I'm going to drive Indy or F1. But yeah, no. Jokes apart, like, um, I think Alonso is here just to just to drive. Like, really, it's not it's not anything else. Like. Uh, you can clearly see his passion. I mean, he's done Dakar. Like, what F1 driver does Dakar? Like, a yeah. rally. Like, the world's toughest rally. Like, it's just a simple passion to drive. And I think it's brought him back to F1. Maybe he's interested in the 22 rule changes. I mean, that's why he jumped in at 21. He didn't want to get straight into tw- the 22 regulation change. And yeah, you can see he's good enough. And it's a controversial opinion. He's going to be better if um, Oscar Piastri was his teammate. Alonso's mind's better. I mean, why would you put Piastri when Alonso is there? I mean, Alonso gives you the experience, the wealth of knowledge, wealth of... Okay, 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 okay. Hold up, hold up, hold up. It is a fact that 2021 Alonso had the worst tyre management on the grid. It is a fact. that His tyres used to degrade the fastest. He used to struggle with, uh, you know, the, the drop end of the tyres. No, no, you can't, you can't afford but, it. But his performances is his, were... He didn't he like obviously he was as good as Ocon. I mean, or did he finish ahead of Ocon? He did. He did finish ahead. Exactly. Point <laughs> proven. Done. <laughs> he beat. He beat a guy who was in F one for the last five years, five six years. So there. Point proven, man. Alonso. He came back in the sport and beat his teammate. That's all you need for like to see if you're good enough. And yeah, he's. I think he's here for the twenty two changes and the the new competitive cars. The competitive cars. Uh, with closer <laughs> racing and all that, but yeah, uh, that for me that's the sole reason he's here. And um, after this, he's going to go to Indy and get that triple crown for sure. That that's that's how I see his career. I mean, let's move on. Um, 
there's a question that I also wanted to ask you, Salman. In terms of the philosophy of the team, forget the history, the philosophy in which they're operating so far. Uh, I'm sure we, you know, us three would have observed some kind of operating philosophy. Who do you think right now has the correct operating philosophy between Ferrari and Red Bull? Um, do you think it is Ooh. Ferrari uh, having a better operating philosophy in terms of just in general, the way they, they act or the way they've set up their team in general? Or do you think it's Red Bull? That's a tough one to call at this moment in time with Red Bull actually incorporating Red Bull powertrains because it seems like a good move in the long run, but th there's so many teething issues that you have to face with it. So it's hard to pick at this moment in time, but on track, you have to give it to Red Bull. They have clear defined roles. They know exactly who their number one and the number two is, which might be boring for all of us, but at least they know what they're doing. At least they know which upgrades go to whom. So there's no dispute on that. At least they know who gets the first priority on strategies. And also they've managed to end up fighting for a championship for two years in a row in the middle of probably the biggest regulation change in history. That's just such a big deal. And we can't quite understate that. So in the way they'd organized Yes, they might seem like a very arrogant team, and I absolutely despise Christian Horner's media sessions. That's just terrible. It's, 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 nah, nah, I love, I love Christian. I love, I love big old I, Christian Horner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just doesn't mean anything. At one point of time, you know that he's just going to act like a chameleon because at one point of time he'll say, "Oh, yes, certain rule change." If it benefits Red Bull Racing, it's good. But then he'll go right to the opposite of it and say, well, no, that's not fair because it's the sport and it's the philosophy and X, Y, Z. But yeah, apart from Christian Honor, they're such a well-run team. But I think it's just his media perception. Behind it, he's so good at operating the team that I think I have to give it to Red Bull. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, same. I mean, between Red Bull and Ferrari, Ferrari are like still trying to figure things out. You know, it's been like, uh, what, <laughs> 15 years since... Uh, They've won oh, a championship and they're still trying to figure out. 2008. Yeah. No, they won the constructors. Yeah, they won yeah, the constructors, they won constructors in 2014 yeah, yeah, years, 14, 15 years. They're still trying to figure out mm -hmm. like how to win it again, which is mind-boggling. <laughs> they've gone through the cycle of team bosses. They've gone through the cycle of CEOs. Like it, it's almost like yeah. uh, they've become like RCB. You know, RCB is well oh. in 2008. <laughs> Oh, RCB started in 2008. <laughs> Ferrari's you know, last championship was in 2008. I think the ICA curse going on. But, uh, but Wait, like, does that make look like the new Virat now? Oh, <laughs> <In a way>? <laughs> oh. <laughs> because he's been there long enough. Yeah, he's yeah, been yes. Yeah. I mean, let's not let's oh not go down God. that route. As as two Bangaloreans here, let's not. Uh, yeah, let's not go down that. Nah, I mean, cricket is not personal yeah. for me. Cricket same, is same, slow same. as me, how much when it makes me Yeah, same, same. But um, yeah, in general, I had actually say the opposite. Mm, hmm. Operating philosophy, I think, talking about emotion as a team, I think Ferrari have a lot more emotion in the decisions that they make. But, but who, who ends up winning though? Red Bull, right? Like, True. No, at the end of the year, yes, I'm, I'm saying. No, obviously, but at the end of the day, I think Ferrari is driven by passion. Red Bull is driven by P1s, but Ferrari is just, you know, Ferrari, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Ferrari. I mean, that's that, yeah. So you did, I think each <laughs> mechanic, each mechanic, each each mechanic, each engineer, each driver drives, uh, you know, their, their motivation is driven to, I think, uphold the glory of um, the Ferrari or just the Ferrari, the prancing horse in general. So yeah. operating philosophy in and, general and and actually actually 
I'll, I'll add something to that because of that uh, emotion behind it. There's a certain pressure. There's a certain responsibility. You're responsible. Exactly. I, I was that, just about to come to that. That's what, you know, forces drivers like Sam Petal in 2017 and 2018 to go into depression to crumble under the pressure <laughs> or to crumble under the, you know, pressure in general. Go like, bald. I have to win for Ferrari. Go <laughs> bald. <laughs> Go home, man. It's true, though. <laughs> it's, it's true. Well, why is it always a Sevetal fan that gets slewed on? What is this? He's the third, fourth best driver in history. Look, okay, you only make jokes on people you love, right? You, yeah, you, you exactly. only sometimes get angry exactly. on your family members. So we can only do that with Vettel because I mean, we don't feel the same emotion for anyone else. But oh, what a man. Yeah, but, um, you know, I have actually... A question, um, which which hurts here. Do you think the Aston Martin, the AMR twenty two Spec B, or the uh-huh. let's say the tunnel spec version boat. of the car, does it have <laughs> does, it, does it have the potential to actually fight? I mean, see, after the Monaco GP, Vettel came tenth. Um, after his press press conference, he said that there are upgrades that are coming up that they feel they're going to fight Mercedes for the constructors in general. Now, do you think this could be true or do you think it's just a you know bunch of gossip in general? I mean, your guess is as good as mine at this stage. I mean, I wish Aston Martin <laughs> knows at this stage if they can do that as well because even they might be clear. Nah, man, you don't understand how frustrating it is, huh? Pre-season, <laughs> you know, or, you know, at the end of the season, I'm telling Aditya, Martin Whitmarsh is back. Dan Fowler's from Red Bull is there. Yeah. Some Mercedes Aero fellow is there. Some, some guy from Alfa Romeo has come. Lord and Stoll is pumping in millions, billions into his new factory. And what do they get? 14th place, 15th place. <laughs> yeah, it's that, it's that good old meme, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that guy, it's that, I don't know, I, I don't know his name, the, the YouTuber who's playing F1, you know. Top 3, top 3, 16th, 16th. <laughs> it's, it's that meme over and over again for Aston Martin. Like, no, I mean, oh, I, I, I told you in the previous episode. <laughs> no, no, I, I told us in the previous episode. Um, and, you know, just to, again, solidify the same thing. The reason Aston Martin are doing so bad is because there are two operating philosophies at the end of the day. Vijay Madhya was a man who understood that patience and long-term development is a huge thing that comes into play for a season, you know, in terms of the season, not long-term in general, after the season as well. But we have our man, Lawrence Stroll, who believes in immediate success, whose only thing is that my business has to grow or my business has to succeed, I need to gain profits. So what's his immediate solution for, a, for an immediate, you know, what's his immediate solution? The ironic part Copy is... the best car on the grid. The <laughs> ironic part is, Vijay Malia is the one who is being arrested for fraud. <laughs> who is being hunted down for fraud. <laughs> ironically. Ironically, the man who is patient... Still do. Money, still do. No, no, no. Still do. The patient, no, no, no. I'm, I'm serious though. His money, is there the is a huge difference between how... No, no. There's a huge difference between how Vichamale operated and how Lawrence Roll is operating. Okay. I also told this to you, Aditya, in the previous episode. Um, when Otmar left um, Aston Martin and he was doing an interview, um, he said that the most... The thing he feared the most was a boardroom meeting with Lawrence Stroll and the other engineers. The other engineers would either sugarcoat Lawrence Stroll on performance or they would not speak out of total fear. And this is not the kind of, you know, the, this kind of toxic environment that you require in an F1 team for it to grow. I mean, they're just saying that their ambition is to fight for the championship. They've got a, a four-time world champion, the third best driver, the fourth best driver in history in the team. 
they have an an actual good talent in Lawrenceburg, and they're giving them you know a tool that is absolutely useless. So, I, I mean, I got your point, Samu, that um, your guess is as good as mine right now. But it's it's quite. Well, or even Aston Martins, actually, even Aston Martins, because we, we, every team is pretty much in the dark at this stage. It's it's hard to really tell. But you you can't quite blame. Lawrence Stroll for that because you know, I mean, let's be honest, even if I was somebody investing $200 million into a Formula 1 team, I, I would kind of want results instantly, although that's not how it works. But your, your engineers, well, they have to be accountable to someone. But let's be very clear as well, right? It's, it's two completely different teams. It's not the same force India that we knew and love from the past. It, it might be the same factory, but only for a couple of years at max. But it's a completely different team in the way they're targeting their goals. And this might be a bit of a transition phase because remember, they're shifting factories. So the team isn't quite technically there yet. But yeah, I suppose they just got the regulations wrong. But I don't think that within a couple of years, they will still be where they are because with the resources bumping up, with them hiring better engineers, I think it's just a matter of time. But this year seems a bit unlikely. But yeah, I think the only one, the only person pretending to be a fraud in that team is Lance for pretending to be a Formula One driver. Where, where have the performances been? And what's it with all the Canadians? I mean, they're, they're very nice people. I mean, in the interviews, you'd love listening to them and feel like, oh, you're such a nice person. I wish you the best <laughs> of luck. But I mean, think of it. Monaco, first scene after Green Flag, both the Canadians crashing out. It's perfect. It's just what it is. Yeah. Um... And I mean, not just that. I mean, I, I did say Lance is a talent. Uh, one thing that, I mean, talent is money. Thing, money? I, no, I. <laughs> I don't nah, that's a harsh. violation. That's a violation. No, 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 no. That, that, that's. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Right he, did, he did. I'm sure he can drive better uh, than me. He did get a top three. <laughs> he did get a top three in a Williams. No, he did get he a did. Yeah, he did get a top three in a Williams, and not just like give him the right car and trust me, he can pull out performance. I mean, give anyone um, the right, give anyone a right car, they'll do a performance. I mean, it's F1, man. Is, is science yeah, doing it? No. He almost did it? Okay. No. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Exactly. But, yeah. Did Kimi do it? No. Kimi yeah. in 2017, 2018. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, but, but they're, not general, Lan- no. they're not Lance Stroll. Okay, but that, that's 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 a dead point. Right? It's it's not it's not worth carrying on for far okay. too long. I think the sentiment has been made. Uh, okay, so uh, another team like I would like to talk about is Haas. Like, is that fairy tale over? Oh, like, yeah. I don't want to believe it. I'm a Haas fan now. Like, I'll carry I'll carry the Haas flag till till my arms are sore and bleeding. But uh, I'm sure Radhya, every day in the morning you say, "I pledge my allegiance to the flag of the United States of America." <laughs> yeah, <Huh? laughs> yeah. I, I do the whole bald eagle thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Anyways, but you know, it, it is actually predicted uh, that you know Haas would have yeah. a very small stint of good performances because um, after you know, I mean, within the fifth race itself, Haas said, "You know, okay, you know, we we don't know what the season is." Hey, you go drive, man. Uh, we will develop the next year's car. It's okay. <laughs> no, but, they just they um, just stole Mazepin's money. They just frauded. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, fraud. man. That was... That was yeah, you has to smart, like... Big prince. Yeah. No, but in general, um, you know, it was predicted that Haas would have uh, a period of six, seven races that they would do well. And after that, it's back to, back to square one. Because um, it's not easy for a small team to immediately jump. Yes, they've made a big jump. Even if this is their position right now, um, 10th, 11th, 9th, it is a good position. But could Haas have 
you know, somehow trans- translated that beginning of the season pace. I mean, Kevin came what, 5th, 6th in the Bahrain GP? Yep. Could they have translated that to 5th, 6th or 7th, 8th throughout the season? Um, maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, I mean, uh, for, fortunately, they haven't. I mean, no, I would like to say, I would like to say something now. Like, we we talk about Ferrari uh, being like, I mean, Somil told they're a top, they're a, uh, they're a midfield team having a top car. I would say Haas are a back marker team having a midfield car. Yeah. I mean, that's sense. what's happening exactly. now, right? Like, that analogy that's what we all predicted. That's all, that's what we predicted in the start of the season at Bahrain. Like, I remember saying when other teams eventually figure out their car and eventually figure out setup and all that, Haas don't have the resources. It's game over. Even, yeah, exactly. Haas don't have the resources to defend that. And, you know, you can't drive the car at 200% at every race. It's just going to break apart into pieces. And you're not going to have enough spare parts to fix those repairs. And, yeah, yeah. And yeah I just think uh, Magnussen and Schumacher are doing their best. And actually, Schumacher, is he good enough? I mean, this is, what, this is a burning topic that's been like bubbling mm. up in F1 Twitter and in social media. It's just bubbling up. And people are like kind of hesitating because, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all poor Mick. It's poor Mick. But is Mick? But I, I think I have. Is, I, know, is I Mick think I have. Uh, no, it, it. No, I. I think I have a. Let's say I, I can defend Mick slightly. Last year Mick was against whom? Nikita Mazepin. This year he's against Kevin Magnussen. The the girth and difference of the two drivers is paramount. I mean, I, I can't even fit it here. So it. I mean, it is like this big, nearly this big. So. Um, Mick, I don't think he's being able to cap that gap between both of them uh, because yeah. of the same reason. So I think he's pushing a little too far to get to Kevin's pace. That's forcing him into such errors. And is he good enough? Now, that's very subjective. Good enough for what? Good enough for Formula 1? Good enough yeah. against Kevin? Or good enough for Haas? Now, these three questions are, you know, very, you know, it's good very enough for all I mean, three because let's, let's be honest. Good enough for like Formula if, 1? If, if, obviously, yes. Okay, wait, wait. Let's 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 yeah. Let's answer all three. Uh, let's start sure. off with Haas actually, because um, yeah, he's he's been he's not been at the same level as Magnussen, and you know, as a, as a midfield slash back marker team, I would want both drivers to be at at par with each other to yep. push the limits of the car and to get the get more data in rather than having varied levels of data and trying to extrapolate something some data that could be useful. So, my answer for, for that, is he good enough for Haas? I don't, I don't think Haas would be extremely pleased with him. What about you, Samuel? Well, it's kind of hard to answer. I think a fun way to look at it is that Mick Schumacher's only had, what, seven races in F1? Because 2021 was like Formula 1.7 <laughs> light or something, if you'd like to call it that way. That that counts in terms of how you work with your engineers and how a team runs. But in terms of actual practical, let's say, Formula 1 racing knowledge, per se, it's hard to really quantify that because you're so far off. It's like a minority in a way, a glorified minority, per se. But uh, in, in this particular year, there have been lots of cracks appearing. And I, I don't 
I don't see why Haas wouldn't want to try a different driver out because, of course, nobody will admit it. But we all we all love Mick Schumacher, right? That that always clouds up our judgment just because he's Michael's son and he's such a warm and fuzzy character. But on track, definitely the performances can be better. Now, I don't want to throw up random names like Oscar Piastri or some other Formula One, Formula Two drivers that are unproven commodities. But let's just look at someone who we know has a proven track record: Nico Hulkenberg. I mean, he's someone who exactly, can, that, yeah. can can yeah he can he can give you results actually, like Kevin Magnussen can uh, yeah so, so actually, for a midfield team like Haas why shouldn't they go for two proven drivers next year actually if I if I I mean if I if Haas were going to see the American thing I would put Colton Herta but again, Colton everyone Herta. outside looks better than those who are inside right so uh, just as a it, it's it's another risk, right? It, it, he could yeah, end up being another Mick Schumacher in a way. True, true, true. With Haas, you can't quite take that. Can, no, no, no. There's there's another driver that you know that hits here. That actually, uh-huh. I would love if he came back. Can you can you can you take a wild guess? He's not in Formula One. He is. I mean, he's not. He was in Formula One. Jacques Villeneuve. Uh, any any guesses? <laughs> Jack, <No. laughs> I think I think it's no. it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hard <laughs> sell trying to uh, take him away from this his singing career. Oh, <laughs> it, it's, it's successful thing, Graham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but actually, one driver that I would love instead of Mick Schumacher, uh-huh. bring bring back. We the... to bring in Roman Grosjean. I was no, going to say, bring in Roman. Could be, yeah. could be. But uh, are the bridges burned or, between Grosjean? No, no, and no. Yeah. Or, or another driver, Marcus Ericsson. Man, he was he. Marcus Ericsson was yep. overshadowed by Charles Leclerc being you know generational talent. Ericsson is actually a very proven driver. He, I think, he won the F or the GP2 championship. He was the European Championship of GP3, and he has a lot of achievements. But the fact that he was driving and Indy, in that obviously, season. holding and off, Indy, and holding Indy. off, holding yeah. off a second place driver at Indy is an almost impossible task with the exactly, exactly. So, so Marcus Ericsson could be another driver that could come back and should come back. I mean, I, I don't know. Why Marcus hasn't tried out? Has, has he tried and failed? But he's another driver that you know would would be lovely to have another you know have another shot at Formula One in general. But yeah, I think the next part of the question, the second question is, um, is he good enough for F one? Is he good enough for any team? Does he have a future? Uh, obviously, he is in the Ferrari Driver Academy, so take that into account. And yeah, I mean. So, you go ahead. No, first. Let, let's no, no, no. Let's mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Before uh, that, before you know that, let's try to let me just get my phone out and see who are the uh, drivers in the Ferrari Driver Academy right now. I know there's Arthur Leclerc. Schwartz. Um, yeah. have obviously Mick Schumacher. Schwartzman. Schwartzman. Eilert um, is no Eilert. Uh, uh, Eilert is not part of the FDA anymore. Uh, Callum Eilert, yeah, he's not check. part of it anymore. He, he left it earlier this year, if I'm not wrong, to pursue Indy. Um, yep. I, I think I think you have um, you have Oli Bayerman, you have uh, loads of F1. Oli Bayerman, yeah. You have yeah. Uh, Montoya, uh, Montoya's son. Um, some Beganovic. You know, Dino Beganovic, yeah. Uh, yeah. Then and you, Giovinazzi still. Yeah, <laughs> Giovinazzi. Like yeah, <laughs> technically. Yeah, Giovinazzi. No, I was no, no. Giovinazzi is the reserve of the Ferrari. Why so. can't Giovinazzi return for yeah, us? Okay. Why didn't we throw up his name? Giovinazzi is. Uh, 
But he's not been yeah, doing well in FE, right? He's not. He's not really settled in in FE either. The point is, everyone outside looks better than they were inside. Same with Eriksson, right? Because when he was right there, let's be honest, the way he found his way onto the grid was through pay driving, yeah, and for true. many years his performances were underwhelming. It's only that Indy is kind of suiting him. Maybe it's the environment. Maybe it's the car type. But yeah, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell, yeah. right? Because sometimes things just fit in, right? Like, like with Kevin Magnussen. We we thought he was done and dusted, but here we are once again now, and he's he's ending up having such a good time. So very case specific, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's really hard to like. I think is F one is such a different is is super different compared to any other motorsport uh, hmm. championship in the world. Like if you go to if you go to DTM or something, the whole environment is different. The whole team environment. Yeah. You don't have you suddenly have only what hundred people working on a car, fifty people. and everything is much more stripped back and you know there's less way less of media there's lesser people talking about you and maybe that that definitely plays with your psyche and i would say yeah there's there's loads of other stuff going on behind the scenes that 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 is in f1 that's not there in uh, any other series in the world so say f1 is kind of in a bubble almost like drivers either get they get really good in f1 and when they transition to another series they they know where or they struggle in f1 but like excel in another series so that way the bubble is there and yeah, yeah did you did you finish googling up the fda drivers yeah we already named all the some okay so yeah see i i got the knowledge i got the knowledge <laughs> <laughs> no here's one question um if moving away from ferrari talking about a, a past ferrari driver academy you know candidate sergio perez has mm. just signed for red bull team 2024 now is it a good decision is it a bad decision um personally i feel it's not a great decision um i mean taking taking for instance that he has the ambition to win the championship yeah fine he won the monaco gp and everything but it was through pure circumstances that he won the monaco gp if max was behind him i'm sure there would be team orders for him to let max ahead since there were yep. signs as the you know as the buffer between both of them that that was not an uh, something that was an opportunity so in general and not just that we also know that max loves a car that is really nice and sliding and has a lot of oversteer and rare oversteer to rotate the car in general and it's also proven that sergio perez is like one of the old timers he turns the car has to go in that direction you know there is no two ways about it in general so uh, in general i mean is it a great decision for sergio to drive a you know red bull because not just that a driver would like you know that team to have their philosophy um or their working is in general to surround his driving style or his mentality now i'm sure where if you're living under his phone um then you would think that red bull is equal but they definitely aren't they are biased towards max verstappen and sergio perez is just the guy who sits on the other seat i mean i'm i may be too rude but it's it's more or less like that so yep. is this a great opportunity for him to try to spread his wings to be a world championship contender or is it just him digging his own grave of being a, a bottas or a barrichello flip side to the same question is the red bull driver academy diluted is there any point of it is there is it actually promoting a lot of you know mm. racing in general or getting a lot of drivers in because it's basically stagnant right now 
Let's yeah. talk about the driver mechanisms in general. Verstappen is not going to leave that seat. At least Volant, like the team's not going to remove him. So that that seat is done for. Sergio Perez is still 2024. Yuki Tsunoda, fine. He may he may not stay. Pierre Gasly again. He may or may not stay. Now let's say Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda stays. What does Yuri Vips do? What does Jehan Tarubala do? What do these uh, a few more? Uh, what does uh, uh, you know Lawson do? And what does uh, Dennis Hager do? What do they do? Do they continue in F two? Do they go to another championship? What? So it seems like it's a bit diluted. Um, not just that. Say they leave. Now who gets that seat is dependent on one man, Helmut Marko, in general. Correct. Now it's also a very toxic environment, as we all know. I'm sure you would also know that. But the driver, the Red Bull driver academy, or the Red Bull driver roster is extremely toxic. Now who gets that seat again is dependent on you know Helmut Marko. So is it very effective the Red Bull Drivers Academy? Is it you know effective in joining it to get a you know to get a direction in your Formula One career in general? So I mean, if you can answer both, Sergio and Red Bull Driver Academy. Those are some great questions. Actually, I'll go to the first one first. For Sergio, I mean, I'll put it this way: for Sergio, there's nothing better, right? Where else does he go now? Of course, a lot of Formula One teams will be willing to hire him, but Ferrari have both their drivers on long-term contracts. Mercedes do as well. Apart from that, there's no other team who you can actually show your confidence in. So where else, barring Red Bull Racing? And remember, had it not been for Red Bull Racing, Sergio Perez would not have been in Formula One in the first place. So what he's doing yeah. right now is is still better than nothing. And I mean, that's that's a very understated way to say. It, actually, he's still fighting for championships and. If he can break the door and kind of make it like an Ennio Vine, Michael Schumacher circumstance, where okay, not not that Verstappen has to get injured, but if he can genuinely, consistently keep on doing better and showcase performances like he has, and consistently be a, a bit of a headache for Red Bull Racing, it'll be better for him, right? Because now only Mark Webber, Sebastian Vettel. Exactly the point. You can maximize your opportunities in that exact same way. So it, it's still a great position for him to be in. He's earning well. He's got job stability for two years. What more could you ask for, right? Yeah. And Red Bull Racing, that's actually very well. Game, so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one major thing. But but for Red Bull Racing as well, uh, I think they realize how big of a piece he is because without him, their team looked so lopsided for the last couple of years when they had Pierre, when they had Alex Albon as well. Sergio coming in has just completed this lineup, and so I, I think it makes sense for them to keep him at whatever cost they can potentially keep him at. Because even Gasly doesn't look like the same driver anymore this year. So you have a solid commodity. Why bother changing? I think that's the best way forward. But the driver academy, wow, that's a tough one, huh? Because it's it's a, it's a risk you take with that. Because at some point of time, you can only have so many seats. If you're lucky, you have four seats, as Red Bull do. But if you're just rich enough, I'd put it that way. But the, the, the funny part is you have to break the door down like Nick DeVries is trying to do at this particular stage. Well, you want Formula 2, you have no seat, fine. I'll go to Formula E, I'll win that as well. Even if I don't have a chance over there, fine. I'll get to a test contract and I'll try to impress and maybe outperform the driver who's already driving over there. Because that's yeah, just a yeah. sad reality, right? We don't have 24 cars anymore. We don't need 24 cars anymore per se as well because Formula One is not here to just kind of hand out seats to drivers and and not that adding four cars is going to greatly improve the entertainment spectacle. So why bother spending, let's say, $400 million a year for that? So point is, it, it's just dysfunctional at this stage because two seats are locked in, but I get a feeling that Pierre Gasly is going to change. So that that opens up one place. And, uh, Where do you think he's going to go? 
McLaren. <laughs> Logically, this seems like no other team. Because Ricciardo, I think the end of the road is very near. And Gasly needs a kind of a new setup. Alpine are not going to sack all their drivers. Neither are Aston Martin. So what else do you have? Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like know? to, I'd like to answer that question. I mean, first one, Sergio Perez. Yeah. I mean, he's earning boatloads of cash. And I think when, when you're from, a, when you go from a midfield team and go to a top team and then you taste what a top team is like, and you, you get your podiums, you're kind of addicted to that. Why would you ever want to lose yeah. podiums? I mean, and, and he, it, it, it took him 10 years to get like his first win. Okay. So, uh, so like. Once you have that feeling, why would you ever let it go? Like, it just seems really stupid, that, especially late on in your career. It's not like you're trying to, it's, it's not like it, you, you need to rebuild a team. You need to go there and be the savior or whatever. You, you've already established your name and your name is now, and you've become a fan favorite. You're, you, you're carrying your country, basically. I mean, we've seen that, we've seen the reactions of the Monaco Grand Prix and like, Come on, man! Red Bull—they have great parties. They—I mean—you're you're living the best life. So why would yeah. you ever trade that for anything else? Uh, from no, oh my God! But here's the thing: from his perspective, yes, there is nothing better. But from Red Bull's perspective, isn't there something that is better? Don't you think? Yes, um, you know, Sebastian Vettel. Oh, but but wouldn't the reunion kind of create a rift in a team about who's who's the number one? I mean, fine. Yeah, if you like, think that way, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah but that'll so, be fun, though. That'll be awesome. Yeah. If he does come back. Exactly. But he can't anymore. Man. Yeah. So, so let, let's forget that. And uh, yeah, exactly. let, let me get back. Let me get back. Let me get back. So, uh, the Driver Academy, like, um, you would... I mean, the first question is, why would you ever sign up with the Red Bull Driver Academy knowing that there's, there's various obstacles of Helmet Marco and yeah. then they have... Uh, they have two seats locked out at the top team where you obviously want to drive. But any junior driver, any race car driver drives to literally drive the next year. Like you want a guarantee, you want money, you want financial support and you want, um, you know, just a guidance in your career. And you'd seek that from anyone. doesn't matter if it's the devil. Like it could be, it could be the devil himself. <laughs> and I would sign if the devil told me I'm gonna drive F3 next year. Yeah, sign me up. Like I don't care. Take my soul. <laughs> take take anything from me. I'll drive it. Okay. So um, so yeah. Uh, th- th- that's the dynamic with these young drivers signing up to Red Bull. And you know you have Jehan, Vips, Lawson, Hauger. All these four drivers are gonna be. They're, they're obviously there to compete. And for them, they've they've made it so far just because they they are hungry competitors and they they are there to prove something for themselves and Red Bull. Uh, looking a bit higher up on uh, into F1, you know, that Alpha Tauri, the two Alpha Tauri seats, Gasly looking at the the uh, contract situation with Checo, he's going to be, yeah, he's just going to be like, yeah, I'm done here. This is my last year. I'm going to go to uh, McLaren or Alpine. And there's a reason for why I say Alpine because um, I think that would really feed into their, you know, ecosystem, you know, having two I'll French say. drivers. Yeah, having two French drivers. <laughs> that two very well-liked French drivers, remember? Both of them are race winners. I think that, that sets oh, a really good marketing. That's really good for marketing in France. 
I mean, there's a reason why they went from Renault to Alpine. It's simply purely marketing. And I think that would, again, feed into that the, the whole French aesthetic, you know, having the blue car, the, the, the whole, you know, French driver lineup. I think that would really, that, that would go really well. Um, Tsunoda, he's, he's going to be there. He's going to be there trying to keep his seat at uh, Alfa Tauri, which I think he will. If if uh, they do if they do end up letting go of Gasly, I think they will keep uh, um, Sonoda. But you know, with, I mean, Red Bull are notoriously known for you know dishing out drivers, swapping them here and there, everywhere. So like we can't really expect it. So who knows? We might get two new drivers for twenty three in Alpha Tauri, two junior drivers, and the way this, the F two championship is looking like. There is a possibility for 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 Jehan, for all the Indian fans out there. There is a possibility that we might see an Indian and F one, which would be which would be phenomenal. Uh, but not the, just an Indian F one, a good Indian F one. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. Shots it. fired. Does shots fired? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's plain facts. I'm not playing shots. <laughs> but um, he's just the most prepared. You could call it that. The correct. most prepared. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, uh, but then he, again, if you look at the FP1 scenario, Lawson has future FP1 sessions planned. Yuri Vips had FP, FP1 sessions. So maybe those two could be the ones Helmut Marco is looking at instead of Jehan. You don't know. I mean, Hauger, if he, I mean, Hauger has been up and down, but yeah, I mean, I think you could see Lawson and Vips or Jehan in, 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 in the uh, Tauri seat for sure. Maybe Alex Albon, for all we know. Maybe Alex Albon, exactly. But, I was yeah, about to say yeah, that. exactly. But because I think, not just that. No, no, no. Before K Mag went to Haas, he was actually offered the Alpha Tauri, oh, the Toro Rossi seat back then. So could they do another Checo scenario? But I mean, um, who knows? But at the end of the day, I think um, you know, it's a very toxic environment, and um, getting in. Uh, the Red Bull Driver Academy is extremely competitive. Getting out is also hard since you know there's not a there's not a lot of opportunities for you to. Yeah, you need to go to witness protection. You need to go to witness protection. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, I think we've um, wrapped up this part um, of the podcast pretty well. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. You know, thank you, Samuel, a lot uh, for joining us here and for actually opening up a new. Yeah, I mean, giving uh, us the idea to record a video, uh, video podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fantastic stuff. Pleasure, pleasure's all mine, guys. Yeah. So yeah, I think we've but, reached yeah. a checkered flag to the podcast, and uh, I think we'll stick with the video format. It seems quite fun. We to should. Do. Yeah, it seems quite <laughs> yeah. fun to do as long as it's not a hassle to edit. I think I think we could keep up with this. So I hope you guys have enjoyed that, and I uh, will see you guys in the next episode. Ciao.